Welcome to the Pages to Pictures podcast, the show where we discuss the art of adaptation from one storytelling medium into another. Each episode revolves around a single film based on pre-existing stories or franchises and asks three questions specific to the adaptation. Your hosts are James Janowski, giant Cincinnati Reds fan, screenwriter and screenwriting instructor at the School of Visual Arts in New York City and Screen Experience at ScreenExperience.com. Skid Marr, a founding member of the Glass Cannon Network, podcaster extraordinaire, and a guy who gets paid to play role-playing games. And Andy Schmidt, former Marvel Comics editor, writer of comics, graphic novels, video games, children's books, former director of intellectual property and development at Hasbro, and founder of the online comic book school, Comics Experience. Now get ready for the nerdiest podcast in history, and welcome to Pages to Pictures. Hello, folks. Welcome to Pages to Pictures. I am one of the hosts, Andy Schmidt, along with Skid Marr. Hey, Skid. Hey, I'm another one of the hosts. Look at that. Synergy. And James Janowski is here as well. Hey, James. Hello, I am Groot. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know you were Groot. That's, that's really vulgar. Could you keep the language clean, please? <laughs> um, so I'll try. We all saw Avengers Infinity War, and judging from the box office results, so did all of you. But if you haven't, you may not want to listen to this because um, we don't care uh, if you haven't seen it. So we're going to talk about spoilers. So there's your warning. Uh, and uh, And with that, we've got our typical questions. Usually we go with three. This was a big movie. We've got four. Um, and I feel like we could easily have a dozen or more. Uh, I feel like we should have broken this into like six episodes. Uh, <laughs> could. Or, or at least 19 for every movie. Right. Yeah. Or at least 19. So hopefully you've, you've, you've listened to and enjoyed the, uh, the, the two road to Avengers infinity war episodes uh, that, that we did last week. Uh, and here we go with this one. So, I think you know we're going to try and talk about this under the lens of adaptation, our source material. Um, we weren't sure exactly what they were going to pull from, but uh, we read Thanos Rising, by, uh, by written by Jason Aaron and illustrated by Simone uh, Bianchi. I think that's how you say his name. Um, <clears throat> and then we read The Infinity Gauntlet itself uh, by Jim Starlin, George Perez, and Ron Lim. And we read Thanos, the Thanos Quest by Jim Starlin and Ron Lim. Now, Thanos Quest happens before Infinity Gauntlet, for those of you that are reading along. But there's some really interesting stuff going on with this film, and from an adaptation standpoint, I found it pretty fascinating. Uh, but I figured first we should just get uh, everybody's thoughts. So, James, what did you think? I've seen it twice, and I liked it better the second time because I started to realize, for me, that there's more to come. For I, you know, I took this. I was going in thinking this was going to be one movie. There was going to be some resolution. There was going to be completion, the finality to the whole phases up to this point. And now that I've kind of put wrapped my head around and kind of embraced the idea that this is issue one, then there's going to be an issue two. Um, uh, I, I've I enjoyed it a heck of a lot more the second time around when I started to think that way. Hmm. All right. That makes sense. <laughs> was it? Was what it, I'm trying to do. <laughs> so, was there stuff in the in the film that 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 surprised you, or that or that you really liked? Like, I mean, like after the second viewing, where you were where you were a little bit more prepared for it being kind of a part one of two, did you do you feel like you you really like you do you like the movie or yeah <laughs> yes I did like the movie um, again because after the second viewing and I kind of wrapped my head around that the. My, you know, around this whole idea that it's basically an issue one, two, and then there's going to be an issue two. Um, because the first viewing, I was like, I felt as though I'm, I'm all right, all of a sudden I'm over here at this storyline, then I'm at this other storyline, and then I'm jumping over to this other storyline. And I felt like I couldn't really get into, you know, invested in some of these characters and the, and their little like subplots of trying to bring all this together to beat Thanos. Um, so that I had a little bit of a problem with the first go around. Um, I thought the, um, the direction was great. I thought the performances were fine. I thought the, uh, 
um, uh, the dialogue, of course, there's always that little witty banter, and uh, and I thought that worked well. And I love the the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, uh, I, and and those little moments where they're going to have those gags with Drax, where he's like, you know, I'm I, I'm going so slow, you can't see me, and he's like, yes, we can. <laughs> you know, those those little moments I thought were were really helps a film that is, in a strange way, dark compared to like what was going on in DC, where they were like. They were trying to do dark and it just didn't work because the story wasn't there. But this is a dark movie. There's, you know, anyway. Yeah. That's what, that's what I think. Skid. Uh, I loved it. I truly loved it. Um, and I think for so long, like over the last like almost 40 years, people have been making comparisons to Empire Strikes Back. And it's like, this is the Empire Strikes Back of such and such. And it's to me like I, nothing has ever really come close to that feeling for me as much as I love Empire Strikes Back. This is the first movie that really felt like it, it, it was a worthy comparison to Empire Strikes Back, not just because of the way it ended. I mean, it ends on a huge loss and so few films uh, for the heroes and so few films have the guts to do that. And so that was great. And also just, I, I, it made me, it, it reawoke, it, it awakened that feeling in me that I haven't felt in so long and just, of just pure joy and love for a movie, uh, that ends on such a bleak note. I just, I just loved it. I really did. Yeah. Well, and, and I know this about you, you, you love stories about collecting things. So it's <laughs> <my biggest laughs> so like, you're like, I mean, this was really in your wheelhouse. Like, yeah. Oh, they're collecting I mean... stuff. Okay, good. <laughs> MacGuffins. Uh, oh man, not just one, but six MacGuffins. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favorite movie about collecting things is Batman versus Superman, which, when you think about it, is really just about Batman and Superman uh, collecting cool stuff for their respective caves. Um, which is why Superman is dragging that tanker at one point. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it. Oh, <laughs> you mean you erased it from your mind? I erased it. Um, well, here's uh, so my take on it is this: like it is, it is a perfect adaptation of an event comic book. Is it? It's maybe not. You know, it's not my favorite Marvel movie because I, and part of this is probably just that I'm older now. But like, I like the films that focus on fewer characters, where you get deeper into those characters. Um, so it kind of had that. You know, from my standpoint, kind of going against it. I also. No, but as far as like an event, like comic book goes, like we talked about Civil War and how there are those those character moments, and that's what you get out of an event comic. You don't tend to get strong character arcs, but you but you can get really insightful, sharp character moments along the way, and you can get a lot of them for a lot of different characters. And I felt like this did exactly that. While I mean, it's plot and spectacle heavy. Um, it's all plot and spectacle, but along the way, they have so many good character moments, uh, that I, th that, that I was highly entertained throughout the whole thing. Um, and I also felt like, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get into some of this stuff in the questions, I think, but, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was like really an amazing achievement from an ad adaptation standpoint, but it kept me engaged and entertained. The movie is both exactly what I thought it was going to be and yet also filled with surprises. You know, I mean, we've read Thanos Quest. We've read the Infinity Gauntlet. Like, we know what the story is, what the major beats of the story are. And yet, how those they got to those beats was very different from the comics and I thought really, really effective and full of surprises. So I thought this was kind of a win all around. I also have seen it twice and I was a little worried about taking my son to it. Like I wasn't sure how attached to these characters he was. So that with so many of them dying, Die. I, thought, <laughs> I thought he'd be upset. Um, so I did what any good father would do. And I took him out of school yesterday, so it didn't get spoiled for him <laughs> and uh, took him to see Avengers Infinity War. That's and good parenting. That's just, that's just good parenting. It's just good parenting. Am I right? So, uh, you, I, you know, Skid, well, yeah, actually, you both know Alik, so uh, you guys would have enjoyed that conversation with my wife. About, like, no, 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 I understand it's the end of the year, and, you know, they've got the big Kentucky exam and everything, and they got to prep for that. Like, I get it. I get it. I know that's important. 
Um, but you need to stop and you need to rethink this conversation because this is Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> I'm sure it's, she understood only, right off this, the bat. This only happens once a lifetime. Uh, as much as she loves comic book movies and as low as she places education on her list of priorities, I'm sure she was just totally cool with it right, right from the get-go. Right from the get-go, yeah. Uh, yeah. She was pretty cool with it. So... Uh, so yeah, so we so so but I had sort of the same thing that you did, James. I liked it more the second time. Um, because I kind of knew I was prepared for some things, some things that really some things the first viewing did put me off. Like for example, like that I don't care for the opening. Um, with the Asgardians and all that. And part of that is because I love the setup that Thor Ragnarok ended on. Like the idea of nomadic <laughs> Asgardians flying through space, like the story potential of that to me is fascinating. Like I love that as an idea and, and where that could have gone. And then to just have that like instantly erased in the first 10 minutes of the next movie was, was not my favorite thing. Um, so there were things like that where it was just like, Oh, they they killed the possibility of this thing. Um, and I did think that some of the character deaths were kind of arbitrary or, or, wasted and 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 the biggest one to my mind was was loki in the in the opening like that just not seem necessary it didn't seem to really add anything like it wasn't like him killing loki at the end of that scene made me go oh now he's a badass like he just kicked <laughs> all of the asgardians butts but now that he killed loki now it, you know now he's evil like he was evil they they've established that like i didn't feel that that was necessary it felt like it was a surprise for surprise sake and i didn't really care for it well it it is interesting about that scene. The one thing that, that happens in that scene that affects the rest of the movie or part of the movie, or one character, is Hulk. And that, that actually bothered me the rest of the movie. I'm like, well, Hulk doesn't get intimidated. Yeah, he gets beat once in a while, but he comes back. It's like, the, you know, that whole, he couldn't perform. <laughs> it was just, that was bothersome. Look, they spent $300 million on this movie. At some point, you got to go, enough is enough. We just can't afford that special yeah. effect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of all the things you're going to cut, you know, cut the hole. No, um, <laughs> you know, that was interesting because because Kale, my my 10 year old was like asking me about it. And he was like, he thought that that felt weird. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, there are several different, you know, now now I'm sitting there. I'm trying to explain to my son, like what a take on a character is like, like there are several different takes on the Hulk. And one of them is that he's kind of like a three year old, like he throws temper tantrums, but he's the Hulk. So he throws temper tantrums and he gets away with it and he and he can stomp anything right but he like never he never gets beaten but a three-year-old a three-year-old gets a smackdown they're gonna be really timid and and kale was kind of like oh yeah i guess you you know i can see that you know and then he was kind of like okay with it but that's not my favorite take on the hulk but i do think it's a it's a you know i mean that's one we've we've seen in the comics before so i think you know i mean i think it's valid i don't know that we've seen like the hulk refusing to turn into the hulk before um, which was actually something I kind of I kind of liked that just because I hadn't seen it before. Um, oh. And but so much of that of the first half of that movie was designed just to make you feel like Thanos was a threat. Like they just kept hammering Thanos is a threat. Thanos is a threat. Thanos is a threat. And it was effective. And I've seen that sort sort of thing. You know, you 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 automatically take out the most powerful Avenger. Like I've seen that play kind of dumb before, where you're just like, nope, I don't buy it. You know the uh, the the Justice League cartoon, the, the the Bruce Tim one from several years back. The first season or two did that with Superman, like every episode, like and, and it was always like, oh man, they took out Superman. It's like, yeah, well, well, eventually Superman just seems wimpy, is what happens when you do it often enough. But that hadn't happened before in the Avengers movies, really. So uh, that was, I, th I thought, I thought that, I thought that worked. So uh, should should we just dive into the questions that we've got here? How about we do that? Sounds All good. right. First question. Um, Thanos has more humanity in the film than in the comics. Does the, uh, does that work to the audience's favor? Skid, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I don't know about that. I mean, because I think there was always, uh, a humanity to Thanos in the comics. I think it was just expressed in a different way in the movie, because like we talked about in the road to infinity war, he always has this kind of plagued by self-doubt he's his own worst enemy 
and he is the main reason why he fails to do whatever it is he sets out to do subconsciously. Um, and like you're saying, like that doesn't work like that. That's not great. That wouldn't be a great thing to have in a movie. But uh, I right. think that it shows that he has Thanos beating himself. Yeah, probably not great. Yeah, I mean that probably <laughs> wouldn't be awesome. But the way, but the, it's but the, the way they express it in this movie about him having these, you know, attachments and having this kind of like a, a goal that, on a certain level, you could sympathize with. You can you can you can understand the audience can understand like how he got to this point where he wants to wipe out half of the life in the universe. Uh, I think that's pretty consistent with how he's always been. It's just it's just coming out a different way. Yeah, which I think is a really you know, again going back to the back to the core of the adaptation thing. I think it is I think it is a really smart take of not having the aspect of of death and him being in love with death um, as a as a like a romantic thing, which is was always a little awkward. Um, but it gets there. It gets all of that stuff, and it gets to who he is and why he has the motivation to do what he's doing. Uh, and it sidesteps some of the, the 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 elements that are harder to swallow. Um, and I think it kind of does. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I think the whole conversation with Stark, where he says, uh, you know, you're not the only one cursed with knowledge, kind of sums up his take on it. Is that you know, I don't get the sense in this movie that he's gleeful. No. This, no, which which sometimes he does in the comics. He he's like he's happy to slaughter like and. And that's not really the the case here. There's almost like a solemnness to it. But then also, you know, in the comics, he doesn't seem to have really any attachments to any other living being. And that was a real difference here. And I, and 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 for me, and I know I'm sort of jumping in here, but like the attachment to Gamora and how that plays out was really effective for me. And and for me, that humanized Thanos, and I and I and he became interesting, like really interesting in that and that scene to me, did, did you find the same sort of thing where he, you know, did you find that? Yeah. I, because there's a certain, he's more relatable in the movie. We, we can, we can relate to him and his, his, his affection and, and caring for a child. Uh, you know, and in the comic book, he's like, he's in love with death that he wants to please death. And he's like, you know, constantly doing all these and, and that you can't relate to. I mean, you're not going around, you know, having uh, affections with death and that's kind of this weird strange there's yeah you you just can't connect with that as as a reader because people just don't do that and and, but in the movie (laughs) we hope not um (laughs) and in in the movie you know because they they've they've softened the edges now i will also say that one of the things with certain comic book movies that always drives me a little nuts is when they spend too much time trying to make the villain three-dimensional because you know, you, you take a look at this genre, you know, some of the classic movies, we don't know anything about the villain. They're this there to, to stop the protagonist from trying to get their goal. You take a look at Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, Belloc, we, we hardly know anything about him, but we're fine with that. We, because he, we know that he's after it, after the, you mean, the arc. You mean Belloc? Is that what he's Belloc? And then also in, the Belloc. in, in Star Wars, Belloc, Belloc right? <laughs> Belloc. Um, uh, and then in Star Wars with Darth Vader, it's like you know in the first the New Hope we don't know anything about him. We just know that he's you know he's 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 bad and he's a villain and he's in a weird way kind of cool. Um, so in this movie, I think it works that we're we're actually getting a a relatable villain. Um, and uh, so so that I actually like I you know it, it didn't change my thought about the character when he starts to shed a tear. I, I mean he's getting ready to kill his daughter. Um. But it made me understand the characters and soften him around the edges a little bit more than than what we see in the. Comic. I think it makes him even more evil. Yeah, the fact that like ooh, he knows ooh, exactly nice. what he's doing. Like he has this, like he fe- he really truly loves her, and he's and he's still gonna kill her. Like he's not just you know a, a person with no attachments. Like he has that attachment, and he still does it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, wow. I'm yeah, gonna throw this good. out there. I think that that scene. Uh, makes him the perfect villain for Captain America and Iron Man to fight together. Because in some ways he like like Captain America knows right from wrong. 
and so does Thanos. Thanos mm. chooses, you know, this other thing over what's right. Like he knows mm -hmm. he shouldn't kill Gamora. Like, like he doesn't want to, but he does it anyway. But he does it because he's, you know, again, cursed with knowledge. And so he's sort of making the decisions that, that Stark makes, but with less, but, but he actually has sort of, you know, in a weird way, Cap's moral compass. And so I feel like they've actually managed to make Thanos the perfect villain for the two of them. Because he can sit down and have that conversation with Tony Stark, where it makes perfect sense for them to be enemies. And he can have a very similar conversation with Cap, where Cap goes, but what you're doing is wrong. And he's like, I know. And I do it <laughs> anyway. Know, it's interesting you, you know, it's interesting you should say that. Now, I've been trying to figure out why the Red Skull's in this movie. Oh, and, I um, love that. I yeah, love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it was interesting, but but I'm like going, why is he here? And like maybe there's some kind of, you know, I didn't think about that about the Iron Man and the Captain America, you know, kind of a perfect villain. But maybe there's something with that in there that they were, maybe it wasn't fully realized, or maybe it, it's going to be something more in the next film. I don't, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't know what their what their play is with the Red Skull, and were they just setting him up so that they can bring him back? you know, at a later date, should they want to, like, they're sort of established that he's still alive in this weird cosmic place. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I will say this, that Red Skull being as to us on a certain like logistics level, I'm like, why is the Red Skull there? Like he got blasted off in this, like, I realized he wasn't dead. Like he got blasted off into space by the space <laughs> stone, but then like, he's this weird sort of, sort of gatekeeper or, or uh, as actually my son was like, no, he's like, he's the tour guide. Because he's the tour guide of the soul gem. He's not the he's not the guard. I think I called him the guardian of the soul gem. He's like he's not the guardian. He's the tour guide. And I'm like, yes, you are correct. He's the tour guide. Um, but uh, but what was interesting to me about the Red Skull being there was that when Gamora is talking about how Thanos loves no one and there's nothing for him to sacrifice because there's nothing he cares about, that is true for the Red Skull. Yeah, like, true. The Red Skull mm -hmm. hates everyone. Um, and so the Red Skull could never get that stone. And maybe that's kind of, I thought maybe that was what they were sort of drawing is that the Red Skull, as bad as he is, because he, to, to me, of all the villains in the Marvel Universe, he is the most personification of evil. He's just mm -hmm. mad to the bone. And he wouldn't be able to get the Soul Stone. I thought that was kind of what they were playing at. Um, well, not only that, but... I didn't look like he had anybody to sacrifice. Well, that's well, that's what I mean. Like they're like he doesn't care about anybody. So there, there is nobody. Even if they were there, you know, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. Is it sort of convenient that Gamora just was was with him at that point? Or I mean, I guess he could have snapped his fingers and brought her there with a space stone or something. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought that was all really interesting. But James, you brought up something that kind of leads into one of our other questions. Anyway, was you know one of the questions I have on here. The film does a balancing act between a host of characters. Does it lose focus or does it stay on target? Um, and your point was, you know, they spend so much time with Thanos, um, and and the realization I had watching it the first time was, in some ways, this is like the inversion of the first Avengers movie. The first Avengers movie kind of like vaguely says like the villains are bad and they're doing bad things and don't don't look at their plan very closely. Like, like don't <laughs> like, just don't worry about it. Um, and, and, and I thought that was a really good choice. Like, I mean, I think they could have shored some things up a little tighter, but at the same time, just not spending the time on the villains in Avengers, in the first Avengers movie. So that you could spend 90% of your time with the Avengers, how they interact and all that character play, I thought was a really smart call right that movie could have easily been a half an hour longer you could have gotten to know the villains more their plan could have been more fleshed out all that sort of stuff i think it was a wise choice not to do that like focus on the avengers in that movie this one is is the inversion of this this is a movie that's all about thanos in which there happen to be some avengers um i mean that's overstating it clearly but i mean this is a thanos movie and clearly marvel knows it because at the end of the credits it says thanos will return um, but did you guys feel like it lost focus or did you feel like it stayed on point? Uh, no, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, uh, I remember talking to a friend and, uh, and chatting on Facebook about uh, uh, Civil War and how I thought that that particular film would have been better if it would have been like a four-part miniseries on TV. And, of course, Marvel would never do that. They're, they're never going to turn this into a TV show. But because there's so much subplots and stuff going on there, uh, to spend more time with it. And and in this movie, I've, I, there was moments where I thought that, that as well, that, they, you know, they could do each one going off on their goal of, you know, of getting a Stormbreaker and then uh, and 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 uh, going to Wakanda and all this other stuff. And somehow I thought it lost, it loses a little bit of focus, but they're all trying to stop Thanos. And so that that makes it kind of okay in my book that I can, you know, at first I, you know, I had mentioned that I thought, yeah, if we're, we're losing focus. We're going over here. We're going over there. We're going over this other, the storyline. Um, but the second go around when I start to look at it, and, I, and to me, this is the best kind of approach to making it a comic book and it's a movie, uh, because I feel like this is more like what you would see in a comic book rather than in a, a straightforward two hour movie where it's all about the goal and the, the other, the, their, the antagonist is trying to, to get it and the protagonist is trying to stop them. Um, the other thing is, I thought this movie, um, as a, an event, was better than most of the events I've read in comic books. I thought they this, that's how well I thought it was done. So um, I, I thought it stayed on target to a degree. Yeah, Skid? Uh, I, I think there are two main complaints about this movie from what I've seen. Uh, the two that people think that it's overstuffed and it doesn't, it loses focus. There's just too much stuff going on, too many heroes and people who are upset about the ending. Um, as far as the first complaint, which is what we're talking about. Uh, I thought that the focus, I, I was really worried about that. It was just like, I, I, am I not going to like this? Cause that's my main thing. The main thing that we've talked about is focus in these movies. Like so many of them lack focus. And I thought that the focus that Thanos was so great. Like he was such a great villain the focus he was the focus and as far as all this other stuff going on everyone in like different parts of the universe i all like t 20 half half hour into the movie i felt like it reminded me of a tarantino movie because it felt like there were there were all these different things all these different stories going on but they all felt complete on their own merits yeah and oh i'm sorry go ahead and yeah, and they were they all and they were all tied into this this central, the central figure, which was Thanos. One of the so I, I I loved it. I you know yeah I I I don't think it loses focus. I mean I think it I think it goes off in different directions for a while, and then it comes back, and it all makes sense why they why they did those things. What um so at at first I was like a little confused at like well why are we going over here? Why are we going over there? Um, but it all comes back around. It all makes sense. And then again, you know, on that second viewing, no problem. Like it, it, it worked, it worked just fine, which, which to say it worked just fine on a movie with this scale, with this many characters, this many different locations is like a monumental accomplishment. Um, you know, and one of the things that I keep seeing people say online, and maybe this is a little bit of like an echo chamber, like one person said it and now other people are kind of repeating it is how, you know, it's the 19th movie, and so they they made this really great choice by not reestablishing who everybody is and all that sort of stuff, except they do. Like, they don't actually leave you hanging. And I think that, again, speaks to just how well-crafted the screenplay and the direction is, because you do get introduced to everybody, and the fact that people aren't noticing that, I think, is really interesting. Thanos's motivation is completely clear. His mission, his goal completely clear all of that is set up dr strange i know exactly who he is he's a sorcerer supreme he's guarding the time stone he made this commitment same thing with every single character like i know exactly who they are and that when you meet spider-man he's a high school kid like ev all of that stuff that if you went into this movie not knowing who these characters are it's a lot to, to throw at you same thing when you meet the Guardians of the Galaxy and they're flying around and they're going on this thing and are they going to steal the ship or not? Like, you know exactly who they are. <laughs> um, and so to me, you know, at, from a storytelling perspective, 
to be able to put that much essentially exposition into the first 45 minutes or hour of this film with so many people just not noticing that they were being fed it is again like a monumental achievement because they were able to do it in ways that were entertaining and and funny and and great like there's so much levity in a in a in a film this dark hmm. you know that that again it just it it just shows like how this works and you go back to you know we haven't talked much about the comics but you go back to those comics there is no levity in those comics no <laughs> there is none none that some of some of them unintentional though with you know what hip and all that right and... yeah yeah that's true <laughs> it's like what is what is this doing here right. like, right. uh but but you know the addition of the levity i think is is a great thing i think thanos works better here and and this film is really it's really thanos quest one and two and those were i think like double-sized issues so that's like kind of four issues worth of material and it's infinity gauntlet mm -hmm. number one and it ends where where the first issue of Infinity Gauntlet pretty much ends. And so you've got five more issues of Infinity Gauntlet left. So from a pacing standpoint, if I if I, you know, look at that as in terms of page count, they're exactly at the midpoint between Thanos Quest and the end the beginning of Thanos Quest and the end of Infinity Gauntlet. But the difference was so in some ways I kind of look at this as like an adaptation of Thanos Quest and through that lens it's way more interesting than Thanos quest was because Thanos quest was just, oh, yeah. just him going around and beating up six dudes. Um, I, I also want to just bring up something that I think is very smart that they did um, a few, you know, movies before this by setting up the, these stones, these infinity stones with characters on earth, which I don't believe you get in the comic books. Yeah, that's that correct. They're Andy? all with, they're all with Titans. They're all with, with uh or almost all of them are with members of Thanos's race and his and his race is still around and you know Titan's not a a wasteland the way it is uh in the movie. Yeah, so it makes it it makes it for the story to have a little more depth a little more uh, urgency to it than uh than what we got in the comic. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're really they're integrated into the universe that we know in a in a very different way than there was in the comics which yeah which is great uh one of the other questions we've got is the film has many character moments but few character arcs in that respect is it similar to the source material or different what do you guys think it uh <laughs> it is like a leading off <laughs> it is like a classic big crossover event in that way that there isn't the but that's the thing too is character arcs don't necessarily have to be transformative. You know, I mean they the, just the a character deciding like to remain resolute in the face of whatever evil that they're up against. Like that's a character arc too. And in that respect, I think there's plenty of it in this movie. And but, you know, as far as like that kind of tr traditional transformative character art, it, arc Thanos has it, I think. Does he? I mean, he kind of comes yeah. in thinking one thing and wanting to accomplish one thing, and then by the end of this film, he's accomplished it. But does he change much? Um. Well, I think that he... I don't know that he realizes how much he cares for Gamora up to that point where he's willing to sacrifice her. That's true. I would agree with that. So, you know, so I think that he he takes that step like he crosses the Rubicon at that moment. Were you guys mm -hmm. on board with this movie like right away from the get go or did, or did it take you a while to get kind of comfortable in it? And was there any like one point where you were like, now I'm in. Cause I, I, I kinda, love that whole, I kind of had a couple. I love of the whole opening scene. Yeah. I, ho I love okay. the whole opening scene so much. I was right from the get go. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> but, yeah, I was with I was with it from the beginning too. I, I wouldn't say that I that the opening scene was like my favorite out of the out of the movie, but I will say that the Thor stuff with uh the dwarf, that kind of dragged for me a little bit. Um that felt like that took a little bit too too long. And um uh, How dare you? It, it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> bad, but it was just like, All right, get the stormbreaker. Come on. It's like, you know, we gotta get back to the fight. It was Dinklage. Yeah. 
Agreed. I, the person next to me is like going, it's Tyrion. It's Tyrion. Oh, my God, it's <laughs> yeah, Tyrion. Both, both times I saw this movie, I had uh, I had chatty people all around me, which was which was annoying. And yesterday, <laughs> there were like five people in the theater because it, like, it was like a 1 p.m. Monday afternoon showing. And, and uh, a woman brought her, I'm guessing, four-year-old, maybe three-year-old oh, who was like no. rattling things. But like. But the mom was sitting next to my son and and uh, and like she was kind of loud, too. But I didn't I couldn't like hear what she was saying. But, you know, she was sitting next to Kale. And, and last night, Kale was like, uh, it was like, man, she was saying the F word. <laughs> and I was like, great. Oh, no. <laughs> was like, great. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, oh, wonderful. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the, you know, and then I said, I said, you remember when she said it? And he was like, yeah, I think so. I was like. Was was when Black Panther disappeared, and he's like, "Oh yeah, she definitely said it then." I was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> I mean, um, so uh, I have a th I have a theory about that, by the way. I I want I want to hear it. Go for it. Uh, all of the heroes, I think, were uh, that that disappeared, that died at the end, were all members of the like the second wave of heroes. So. The people that are left alive are the the original like Avengers, right? Yeah, they do. So my guess. So the theory, the the theory that a lot of people had going in was that Iron Man or Cap or Thor were one one or more than one were going to die in this one. Yeah, and in, right. and, and there was a bit yeah. of misdirection on that too, which I think was well done. But then you're left with those core Avengers, right? right. Yeah. So my my guess is that the next movie is going to focus on them, obviously, and they're going to have to make some kind of sacrifice where they die, they and the new, the next generation takes their place. That's my guess. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's solid. I think I think Iron Man marries Pepper. And, 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 <laughs> oh, I hope so. And and, and and gets gets a happy ending after after he calls yeah, every Avengers he... villain ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's going to happen. Like, he gets the happy ending. We have to get rid of Tony Stark. We we impale Cap yes. on a on a on a spike, but I, you know the other thing going into this movie, I thought he was going to get his shield back. I was like, wait, wait, what, what's this? Who give him a shield? So anyway, that was what because that's my favorite thing in the movie. In the trailer, in the trailer was Black Panther that says, "Ready all defenses and get this man a shield." And I was like, oh, it's the <laughs> movie too, but. I just love it because it's the same thing with the Hulk. Like I, I can't wait for that payoff when it does. When when the Hulk does come back, it's going to be awesome. And when when Cap gets his original shield back, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. So I'm glad yes. that they're playing it out. You know what though? I'm I got, excited about that. I gotta say, like the the first time viewing it, things were happening so fast that some things didn't register. And the second time, when Cap, Black Widow, and Falcon show up in Scotland, I got chills. Mm -hmm. The second time, and I didn't the first time. But like to me, and you know, Cap's my my favorite my favorite character. But you know, going back to something I was saying earlier, but I was asking like, was there a moment? You guys were both on board from from the get go, and then just kind of ran with it. And I I uh, I was a little hesitant, and I kind of was talked about a little bit why with Asgardian stuff. Um, but uh, but there were two things where like like where I was where I was just like, now I'm in. The first was Thanos sacrificing Gamora. Because I didn't see it coming. I mean, I saw it coming in the scene, like once we were there. And as soon as the Red Skull says mm -hmm. you got to sacrifice something you love, I was like, oh, that sucks for Gamora. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and <laughs> as much as, as, as I don't want Gamora to actually be dead, uh, because I really don't want a Guardians of the Galaxy movie that's Star-Lord moping around, like that holds no interest to me. Um, so I'm hoping they can find some way around doing that. But... Um, but that scene sort of sold Thanos and, and got me emotionally invested. Right. And, and, and on a level I wasn't before, uh, and in a level I haven't really been for really any superhero movie for quite a while. And, 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 and that's not a criticism of the other movies. It's just, there have been so many and there've been so many that are so good that, you know, like it takes more to impress me. So, but th th that was kind of, that was, that was one of that from that moment on, like I was. I was in the movie. And then the other moment, like, cause there was also like 10 year old Andy was sitting in that theater going like, Oh my gosh, Spider-Man and Iron Man and Black Panther. And like, <laughs> like, like 10 year old Andy was, was, was creeping out 
you know, and was and was was really getting pretty riled up and and like taking yeah. over the way Hulk does. And then that that <laughs> moment where uh, Thanos is fighting on Titan, and he closes his fist and he reaches up and he grabs the moon and brings it down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent in. A hundred percent in. Badass. And I was just like, <laughs> Thanos just dropped a moon on the Avengers. <laughs> Thanos, can I say that again? Thanos just dropped a moon on the Avengers in a live action movie. <laughs> and oh, I yes. bought it. Like, like I wasn't like, that special effect sucks. I was like, Thanos just dropped a moon on the Avengers. Like, that is amazing. That is amazing. Ten-year-old Andy was like, that's the Thanos I know. That's the type of stuff the Avengers are supposed to go up against. Not Doctor Doom, not mm-hmm. Ultron and his little laser fingers. Moons drop <laughs> on the Avengers. That's what they fight. That's why they're the Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And that's when I kind of fell in love with this movie. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, the one other thing that I think is worth saying, because I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan. I've always liked Spider-Man. He's funny and he's entertaining and, and good adventure stories. Tom Holland... Uh, Oh. sells every scene he's in. I am, he's so good. I'm just more and more yeah, impressed so good. with his ability to ground the most ridiculous things so incredibly well. And at the end of the movie, everybody's disappearing. I figure they're all going to come back. But when oh. he died in Tony's oh. arms, mm-hmm. and they held on that, oh. and they let and they let oh. Holland like go with it, crushing, oh. crushing. It's crippling. Oh, oh my God. I I was savage. I mean, I can't, I kind of tried to imagine like Tobey Maguire, who I liked a lot as Spider-Man, like, like in this movie and it, and I mean, obviously he's not in the movie, so I don't actually know this, but like, even like imagining that, like that version, that actor, and I just don't see it. I just don't see it working. But, but Tom Holland plays that, that, that teenager with the, all the self doubts. And he just wants to impress his mentor. Mm -hmm. Like, all of that got wrapped up and came to the surface in that one scene. And I was just, I was yeah. so like impressed and moved. You know, I just thought he was, I, I thought he, from an acting perspective, I thought he stole the show. Absolutely. He's so great. Yeah, he was great. I, but I, I'll just say that none of that during, for me, did I get emotional or, you know, wrapped up in, in that respect just because kind of read the comic book and i kind of know what's maybe coming right. so i'm like I'm, his his any person that died this to me i'm like going eh, i know they're gonna be back it's like it, it just didn't i didn't have any kind of gut-wrenching oh my god that happened well yeah this, but, this is a comic yeah, but book for movie. me like knowing that spider-man will come back because they're not gonna stop making spider-man movies like i know he's gonna come back but he, but and i and that's what impressed me was like with all the other ones i'm like ah he'll be back she'll be back he'll be back and then when he died, he sold it oh, yeah, on a level where, where, yeah, where despite the fact that I knew this was a fake death. You know, he, he was a, he, here's a teenager that was like, I have so much more to, oh, to yeah. give and, and live and uh, just don't want to go. I, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I understood that. That was the only one. That, yeah, that even if. Of the, of the ones at yeah. the end. And it's like, even if, even if you know that he is coming back, just the anguish in that moment. Right. Is, is was so real and that's what sold it for me and there honestly there's something that hasn't sat right with me about spider-man and this adaptation this version of him where with the the, the kind of the father-son relationship that he has with tony stark because i feel like my favorite version of spider-man ben was his father figure and he's gone and from that point on you know all the wisdom that he had to give he's given it already and Peter is his own man from that point forward. And he has to deal with stuff on his own. And I, I, it's never sat right with me that, that, that relationship that he has with Tony, but it definitely paid off in that moment. They do it well. And it paid off in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I would agree with all of that, actually, like sort of the, the absence of uncle Ben um, is, is an odd fit for me. I 100% understand why they went that route. And it, and it's not like that didn't happen and it's not his origin in this. Like, they, they allude to it in Spider-Man they Homecoming. Yeah. 
um, as to why he is Spider-Man, right? But then, but it's interesting because, and I think we talked about this on the Civil War episode, in the comics, Tony and Peter for a time had a, a similar uh, relationship to this. It's not the same because in the comics, you know, by this point, Spider-Man was like married and, and you know, I mean, he was later in life. He was well out of high school. So, so it is a little bit different, but, um, but they did have a relationship very similar to this for a time. Um, and so that, that to me is, was really interesting. Um, the other thing that was kind of interesting was Hawkeye and Ant-Man just being like, they're not, they're not in this movie. Um, yeah. So we don't know if the, uh, one of the original Avengers is actually alive. Yeah. And he, I mean, he could show up in the next film. Um, but I, one of the things that, that there are a couple of things that make me, that I'm really looking forward to. And, you know, normally I don't think we're going to be doing like predictions in, in our, in our show, but since this is part one of, of two, um, uh, there, I think, I think it makes sense. And there's some things in the next film that I'm really looking forward to. One of them is because they eliminated all those. And that was a good point, Skid. I didn't really think about it that way, but it is sort of the wave two or phase two, I guess, characters that got introduced. Um, but the Mm -hmm. next film should have that focus that uh, on 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 a smaller cast of characters that really tends to appeal to me and 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 I really enjoyed Infinity War for what it was and the spectacle and the scope and you know I had a blast but now I'm really looking forward to the next one because the next one looks like it's mm-hmm. going to be about Cap Iron Man and Thor and not so much about Thanos yeah. like Thanos's arc for all intents and purposes is is done. Like they don't need to build up yeah. Thanos anymore. He's, he's built, mm. right? I get it. I get his motivation. I know what his mission is. He achieved his goal. The next movie is going to be about the heroes. I think he's going to focus on those, those three heroes more and more. Um, and, and so I'm really yeah, looking like this forward was a to classic, that. This was a classic and, well, second uh, act in an Epic story. I mean, it's the first act is about the heroes. Like you learn who the heroes are. Second act is all about the villain. And so mm-hmm. now we're just waiting for the third. There, yes. And of course, there's the little caveat that we got at the end of the movie, Captain Marvel. Right. 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 So it'll be interesting to see so, how that, that so works her into film the whole takes mix. place in the 1990s, as I understand it. So it should, like, it won't take place post yeah. Infinity War, unless it's kind of like the original well, Captain America that. movie, where there's like, you know, an opening and an ending that might be during Infinity War. But I'm assuming she's going to be playing a part in the next. I would, movie. I would think so. And the uh, and the other movie is Ant Man and the Wasp, which my guess is does not take place after this movie. But I don't, I don't know that. I mean, it could. There was certainly nothing in the trailer that they released that would make you think that. But of course, they're not going to release a trailer, you know, before Infinity War comes out that you know gives away what happens in Infinity War. I don't think it wouldn't really. I can't imagine that <laughs> establishing that tone in an Ant Man Wasp movie of like right. half of all people on Earth are dead. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you just need to say six weeks ago or you know whatever. Um, right. And just, and just move on from there. Because they would probably because they probably would get more, the Wasp would be gone by then. Sure. It would just be Ant Man would still be alive and the Wasp would or the yeah. other way around. Well, it, you know, yeah. it might be interesting. You know, they they could end that movie with Infinity War with. Thanos snapping his fingers and one of them disappearing, you know, and that could be an end scene or something, you know, the post credit scene or something like that. Yeah. And, it could and, be and a saying, stinger. you know, Wasp will return in Avengers, whatever they call it. Right. Um, the other thing that, the other thing that, that struck me, I was talking with my brothers about this was, was Dr. Strange's role in this film was, was I thought really, really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about it. And, and so one of the other predictions that we had is, you know, he sees like 4 million whatever different outcomes of, of their battles with Thanos and they win in one of them. And our guess is that in that one version in which they won, Tony Stark had to be alive. And so that's why he traded the the stone for Stark. Because, hmm. um, you know, he, he very huh. clearly yeah. okay. says, I will willingly sacrifice you and or Spider-Man without hesitation. And, you know, and then yeah. he gets to that moment and he not only doesn't sacrifice him, he flat out gets Thanos the Infinity Stone. So my guess is whether it's a flat out reveal or not that, you know, and, and obviously Doctor Strange isn't there anymore to say, like, this is what I told you about. Um, 
but that's sort mm -hmm. of, you know, that was sort of my prediction. You know, what we talked about was in all of the cases, Thanos got all six stones, but Tony Stark was alive in the one, in the one where they eventually did beat him. Uh, and so that's why he would give up the stone. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense, honestly. It's funny, too, because we were talking about who's the main character in the Marvel Universe now. Talking about it switched from Iron Man to Cap, and now it's switched back, I feel like, to Tony Stark yes. again. Uh, yeah, I think Iron Man has a kind of a bigger role in this one because they're bringing Cap back. Like, Iron, like for all intents and purposes, as far as the world is concerned, Iron Man, like in the movie universe, Iron Man is currently the leader of the Avengers because Cap is a criminal. So while Cap is still sort of the moral center and is in this movie too, you know, he's the one that says we don't trade lives. Um, apparently unless mm -hmm. it's his own. Um, but, uh, but you know, so he's still the moral center. And I liked that they picked up on stuff from Iron Man three with, with Tony's like PTSD. Like, I mean, it's just a hint at it, but it's, yeah, but it's yeah. there. And that, that aspect, I mean, I know Iron Man three is sort of a divisive movie for a lot of fans, but, but that aspect of Iron Man three, from a character standpoint, I thought was brilliant. Um, uh, yeah, and and so sort of seeing that play out again, and that's one of the things too that people are saying is is it's like how do you view this movie on its own? You know, it went in it had like it has you know some people are saying it has to be viewed and the, the New York Times review of this movie is is kind of is pretty entertaining, um, because <laughs> the reviewer basically makes the case that it is inevitable that you see it. And that you like it, like, like, <laughs> because you are going to see it because Marvel and Disney and whatever has built to this for so long. So you're gonna go see it. You can't avoid it. Everybody's gonna be talking about it. The Times is foreseeing four million yeah. possibilities in all yeah, of them. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> are you seeing it? And then, and ultimately, it's filled with so much stuff that that you find something in it that you're that you're going to like and you don't have a choice not to like it because that's how powerful the Marvel Disney machine is right now. Um, which is like, it doesn't like, I'm not even sure it bothers to review the film. Like it really just reviews <laughs> the cultural zeitgeist of the pop, I should say pop cultural zeitgeist, um, you know, within pop culture on, on the significant movie, which I thought was really interesting. Um, any final takeaways before we, Close down. Really looking forward to seeing the next one. That's about it. Uh, I have a couple things that I wanted to get to. First of all, I loved the the uh, the title cards, the fonts, the Gaudi old, old style font, because it was Blade Runner. That was badass. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> also, I don't think we ever talked about it. We didn't talk about it, but I all the minions. Mm -hmm. Thanos's minions—they were as good of villains as any main villains I think that we've seen in almost any of the other movies. Like they were great. Uh, th they were threatening, especially the one skinny the guy. Ball. Like he was—he yeah. was awesome. Um, and <laughs> I, was, I was a couple. Th I ran into our mutual friend Nick Lowe. Uh, he was having dinner at like a sidewalk cafe with his family. Like I was—I was on my way to work, and I ran into him. And he had—he had gone to the Marvel screening. I couldn't go because mm -hmm. of my job. And so I, I told him, I was like, what do you think of the movie? And he started crying. <laughs> he started like tearing up. He was like, I loved it so much. <laughs> it was like, oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> and I also, <laughs> I also, to another name drop here, I, I had a really nice Twitter conversation with my favorite guitarist on planet Earth, Vernon Reed, who also loved the movie. And we had a good little kind of cryptic chat about the fact that Hulk was in the the trailers for the movie like in that final battle in wakanda mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah movie. yeah that's true yeah. and and also if you notice in the trailer when thanos has his the infinity infinity glove and captain america is holding it and pushing back in the trailer he doesn't have all the stones in his in the infinity gauntlet oh um, so that's so that you you didn't want them to be there if you're doing the trailer because it like it gives it away that he gets them yeah yeah yeah, yeah, they've done some good stuff with the with the trailers. Um, my favorite misdirection in a trailer to date, because there's also, you know, they don't give away that Thor loses an eye in Ragnarok. He's got both eyes in the final, in the shot from the final scenes in the trailer. 
Um, so they don't they didn't give that away. But my favorite misdirection in trailers for the Marvel Universe is in Winter Soldier, where they take Robert Redford, you know, Pierce's speech about you shaped the world and I need you to do it one more time. In the film, he's talking to the Winter Soldier. We know he's evil and he's talking about evil things. In the trailer, they make it look mm. like he's talking to Captain America about how he shaped it. Yeah, that's it. That's and cool. How he needs Cap to do it one more time. Uh, and I thought that misdirection was fantastic because I 100% went into that movie thinking Pierce was a good guy, uh, which I shouldn't have thought that because I've read comics with Pierce and I know in the comics he's a bad guy. But, um, but yeah, but there it is. Um, yeah, and kind of my final thoughts were there were there were a lot of great character moments and character beats and it does exactly what an event comic is supposed to do it gives you those character insights it but it, mm -hmm. it really is about moving the plot and big things happening like big events happening uh and i thought it did that really really well what's interesting to me about that is that you know in a civil war or a or an infinity gauntlet you've got like a thousand other comics that tie into it and in those comics is where you're supposed to get the really sort of personal character arc stories for all these sorts of things so like i was sort of thinking of it like you could do like 21 hour episodes that tie into this movie about what's really going on with hulk what's you know what's cap been up to mm -hmm. that answers all those questions but really flesh out the character arcs you know vision and scarlet witch hour-long thing on them and how their relationship involves so that you get more emotionally tied into it that's sort of theoretically what the tie-ins you know in a comic uh, event like that are supposed to do we could debate all day long didn't you edit weren't you the editor on the dc versus marvel uh book not dc versus marvel i was out. i was an assistant editor on jla avengers so the justice league avengers crossover oh yeah that's yeah but it made me think of that yeah where everybody gets their moment like that kind of thing yeah right. yeah yeah in, right. in that book i mean in that book that was like all highly negotiated like well, if Thor gets to do that, then Superman gets to oh, do this. Sure. Well, then Captain America gets to do this. Well, then Batman gets to do this. It's like, okay, all right. You know, it's all yeah. sort of... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that was like a, a really, really interesting experience working on, on that project for that reason, because you had these two companies that didn't always get along. I mean, at that point in time, they were getting along okay. Um, uh, but that was really interesting, you know, how those sort of debates worked. And I actually think it worked out better than I would have expected. Like, like both Marvel and DC would give a little, like let their character take a, take a hit at some point, you know, but then, but yeah. then, you know, they'd get a chance of being awesome later, you know, and they get thrown back. That's why there's the one moment that I remember, I think is the last page of the first issue where Thor throws Mjolnir at Superman's face oh, and, smacks him, yeah. and it like makes him bleed. Yeah. Yeah. It smacks him. Yeah. Hard. And it was like, Oh, <laughs> like that was cool. And so there was stuff like that in this movie that made me like, oh, that, oh, that's how we're playing it. Okay. Right. But then by the end of that series, you know, Superman has some pretty big moments where you're like, oh, that's why he's Superman. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I thought it was, I thought, you know, again, going back to that, you know, our, our show's theme of adaptation, like this is a perfect adaptation of an event comic it does everything an event comic is supposed to do and not only that in the case of you know if you're looking at it from a thanos quest infinity gauntlet issue one adaptation i think it is far superior to those comics i think that's kind of an unfair comparison on a certain level because those aren't avengers comics yeah. they are they are literally titled thanos yeah. <laughs> you know like like thanos right <laughs> um but uh, but I, this take on Thanos, I find, um, much more compelling than, you know, the, the take on him mm -hmm. in the original Thanos quest in an infinity gauntlet, uh, thing. And, and I think you got to give a lot of credit also to Josh Brolin on this. And granted, he's an animated character in this, but there's something about that voice. And, and there are times when his speech, like he, he'll take these like brief pauses that I think are, are like make you think he's thinking like he's or feeling something. I, I think those are, I mean, he carries, he carries this movie. Um, yeah. I think it, sometimes with these kind of characters, they always do the deeper voice and you're like, it just seems so 
wrong and it, like they're attempting to sound evil. And Josh Brolin is just being Josh Brolin. I don't think his voice is modulated or anything. It's just, you know, uh, and I think that's another part that comes along with him being more relatable. I have a theory. Sorry, I have a theory about that, too. I have a theory about Josh Brolin's performance okay. as Thanos. A lot, I had a lot of people, I had friends complain. I was like, I don't like the way, like, his very, like, sort of American, like, really, like, hard R, like, kind of accent. It's like, it kind of takes him out of it. But if you listen, if you watch the original Hobbit movie, the animated, the Rankin-Bass 1977 Hobbit, mm-hmm. his vocal inflections, everything sound a lot like Richard Boone as Smaug. And I, I, I haven't seen this anywhere, but I would bet that that's who he's channeling. That, that was his inspiration for the voice. That makes a certain amount of sense to me uh, because uh, I've seen that animated film probably four dozen times. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Smog, uh, or Smaug, as you said it, uh, is one of my favorite. Like that mm-hmm. performance of Smog, I, I absolutely love. I find him terrifying. Now, now terrifying because I first saw him yes, when I was five. Fantastic. But like even to this day, that voice. Me too, right. <laughs> that <laughs> pompousness like like i just it's such a wonderful performance but now that you've said that i'm sitting there and yeah. i'm thinking about some of the inflection and that sort of thing and and uh you know that's really interesting they are they are very similar performances and he's the right age too like brolin brolin is the right age where he, like that would would have he would have seen that movie like at a really young age and i, I would have the right age for to make a huge impression on him and i well if he does base his vocal performance on that then that means that we had smog battle smog in this movie yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) uh all right well i uh there's your movie we had Sherlock yeah, Holmes uh, and Smog. Well, I feel like uh, I feel like we've covered a bunch of stuff. I I know there's a ton more stuff. Like I, I think we could do a whole episode talking about Doctor Strange's role. We could do we could we could. There's tons more to talk about. Obviously, listeners, if you haven't seen the film, uh, sorry, we just spoiled a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> but give it a give it a give it a chance. Also, uh, if there's stuff you want us to talk about, uh, you know, other films or adaptations you want us to talk about, we've gotten one request. Uh, in so far, but I keep forgetting to, to, to plug it. You can email us at info at comicsexperience.com. Comics, plural, and then experience.com. Info at comicsexperience.com. Um, you can email us there. You can you can tweet any of us. Uh, what are your Twitter handles, guys? Uh, I am hey, at HeySkid, H-E-Y-S-K-I-D. Hey, Big hey, Polish guy, and I'm at Comic experience, unlike the email address, <laughs> it's a singular comic because Twitter only allowed me 14 letters. So I had to find one to cut. So it's comic at comic experience. That's that's me on Twitter. And you can, you know, give us some suggestions or if there's a question that we didn't tackle on Infinity War, that kind of thing. You know, we're talking about potentially doing, you know, bonus episodes or, or some other kind of content, too. So uh, any kind of interaction with you guys is great. Obviously, please subscribe. But please, please, please rate the episodes and leave a review. That's the type of stuff that really helps uh, get us more subscribers and, and more people listening. That's really important. So please do that. Um, we've got some really cool stuff coming up. I know from uh, Comics Experience and Screen Experience, uh, just in uh, about two weeks on May 12th, uh, Georgia Lee, who is a writer for all three seasons of The Expanse, is doing a one-day, we call a master seminar, you can sign up for it online. Go to comicsexperience.com or screenexperience.com under courses. It should be, I think, the first one that'll 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 pop up there. Um, if not, you might have to look for it a little. But um, but she's amazing. She's an amazing writer. She's an amazing person, and she's going to delve into what it's like to be in a writer's room, which is one of those nebulous things that we've that we hear about and we hear all these rumors about and that sort of thing. And she's going to go through like what that process is like and what it's like to really be a part of a writer's room. And it's she's going to talk about you know obviously writing, how to craft a, a, a TV script and all that kind of things. She's awesome. That's coming up shortly after that. I know that James has a course that he's teaching. James, you want to talk about that? Sure. Screenexperience.com. And I'm teaching screenwriting this summer, and I'm really looking forward to it. And it just, uh, we delve into the foundations of screenwriting and how you go about thinking and making on how you make your choices. So you. And we are already having people sign up for that, which I'm glad to say. 
Now the announcement, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Oh, wow. I know. I want. Cool. I didn't I know that. That's the awesome. Authenticity of you finding out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was downplaying. I was under underplaying my my, my yeah. performance there. But sorry about that. Yeah, we. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Can you cut no, that back in? I don't. I don't want to edit this. Uh, <laughs> so that so that's some really cool stuff. I just I was just at the Philadelphia uh, Great Philadelphia Comic Convention. I would like to uh, thank the producers of that show. Um, Jay and Stan were awesome hosts having me out there of the guests. I got to do some speaking. I got to do a whole bunch of signings. Um, had a ton of fans come up that were interested in, you know, the books I've written. I just launched, um, Achilles Incorporated. It's a four issue miniseries, uh, that just came out from Source Point Press. And, um, and it was great. There were tons of fans. Uh, it was a great show. A whole bunch of us comic folks went to see Avengers together. One thing that was neat about that was like this hush that fell over the crowd at the end. It was just like this, like, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and it was great. And then when, 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 you know, they go through the, the cast at the end credits and then Avengers infinity war comes up and then it fades to dust and blows off the screen. And a lot of folks that when I saw it felt like that was just like twisting a knife, uh, you know, in their guts, which is mm. kind of awesome. But, um, but uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been really exciting. Um, doing that and and you know interacting with fans that way again skid what do you got coming up uh we just launched uh, the glass cannon network we just launched our androids and aliens podcast the actual play of uh, paizo's dead sons adventure path for the uh, starfinder system and that got a great response we're number one uh for a couple of days in all games and hobbies uh podcasts on itunes we beat car talk uh, which I was very excited about. Those guys needed to be, uh, and that's <laughs> yeah. They needed, you know, they needed to be brought down a peg. Uh, and I'm glad they're we could both do that. dead, aren't they? Yeah, but you know, but still, yeah, but still, you beat two look, dead guys. Look, look, yeah, look don't right. spoil it for skin. <laughs> Maybe it's not as impressive an achievement as it sounds at first blush, but still. <laughs> Sorry about that. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but that's been great. That launched, I think, every Wednesday. And then with the regular Glass Cannon podcast is still doing assuming great. Actually, we had like, uh, uh, at one point, we had three podcasts in the top six of all games and hobbies uh, for a couple of days, which was fantastic. Just awesome. So anyway, uh, subscribe, listen to those if you like. They're, they are, have a great time they are those. really entertaining. They are really funny and fun. You've been listening to Pages to Pictures, brought to you by ScreenExperience.com and ComicsExperience.com. Please leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks.